This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah. That I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, it's specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? Visit. I like to tow stuff. But you don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. <laughs> I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit <laughs> NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. Hi, my name's Luke Wilson, and I feel that... On the advice of my counsel, it's best that I've agreed to uh, be clear about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Okay. Hold on a second. Oh, that checks. That's a lovely way to start. What could have been a wonderful interview. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell Hello, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Fine program for you in yeah. this installment. How does it work in podcasting? Episode. It's an episode. Yeah. Okay. What, do you know what you're doing? I don't. I really don't know what these are. You know, for years, I'd say, welcome to the show tonight. Right. Even that wouldn't apply anymore because now it's the streaming era. Mm -hmm. So God knows when people are seeing things. Yeah. Right. But so much of my life for so long was, this is the show tonight, folks. Uh-huh. And now we live in this other world where someone may download this. Good. Mm. So far, so good. 35 years from now. Mm -hmm. True. And it should feel as relevant to them then as it does to us now. To a certain extent. You no, that's to... why I like to try and keep these things 
evergreen. I don't mention Ugh. who's president. I never refer to anything that's happened in the news. I like to Iran say generic Contra. things like, well, uh, it sure is good that the human race still exists. You know what you are? What? You're the Top Gun Maverick of podcasting. Because they don't mention the war. And even the enemy fighters are called fifth generation fighters. And it's yes. the most benign, oh, non-offensive and, enemy. This is my favorite thing. I went to see the... And I really enjoyed it. I really loved Me the too. movie. It was really fun. Uh, but when it was over and the lights came up, I turned to my son and I said, now, why were we at war with Vermont? <laughs> <laughs> because it just really intrigued me that you don't know what the country is. They don't really say, but it looks a lot yeah. like Vermont. Yeah, snow-peaked hills. It's snow-peaked hills and evergreen trees. And uh. then my son was like, well, you know, they were trying to corner. I don't know. He said they had a secret production facility that was making maple syrup. <laughs> and that's what we had to destroy. Uh, so we were just riffing off that. But it was so funny to me. Like, Vermont went and did it. Yeah. They... <laughs> they threw down on us. We got to go after them. Bernie went rogue. But I loved uh, the bad guys in that movie. Again, it was so good at like, okay, they seem nefarious. I don't know why that country had such better fighters than we do. Mm. Right. It doesn't <clears throat> make sense. And I thought, no, we spend a lot of money on our military. I'd like to speak to someone in our war department. Why do we have far inferior fighter planes to Vermont. It just doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, I went to see that movie and when they, in the end, not, it's not really a spoiler, but the, there is a point where they end up in a classic F-14 fighter jet. Mm -hmm. I look down at my seat. F-14. What? Yeah. Oh. In the theater. Oh, I thought you were referring to your cock as a fighter jet. Wait, I... I thought, that's what I thought you were doing. Like, no. I looked down at my pants. What? F-14. You dirty devil. I'm confused. What do you mean? I was in the theater. I was in row F, oh, seat 14. No. Oh, come on. Wow. That's oh, a, God. You guys, That's an it incredible was story. No, first of all, you're I'm a top gun. No, you guys are talking about keeping this podcast evergreen, and you're talking about a movie that just came out. <laughs> hey, when I watched the first Star Wars, when it was over, I looked down at my seat. It was seat C3PO. Come on. See, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, get with yes. this. Uh, okay. What movie did you see, and you looked down in your seat? Uh, don't, don't do that. Well, please. <laughs> Don't make me think. I don't know. What's the number? 187. What? <laughs> no, first you got to think of it. I went to a blank. I went to a blank 187 concert once. Oh shit! Oh, you gave me hell about that you one time. Get? You bird in hell. Were you? You Wait, what did I give you hell about? 187. Yes, right now yeah, I, I got no. it wrong once, and yeah. you gave me hell about it. I was it. doing a funny riff oh, on how he, you got it wrong. He no. got it wrong yeah. the he, first no, time. No, I did. Wait, he did? I think he did. I think I got it wrong. I think that's the second. That's multiple times that he's gotten it wrong. way. Gorley uh, got it wrong the first time, and this was my clever callback to him getting it no, wrong. Okay. No. So I win once again. No. I'm sorry. What's this? Oh, I'm getting an award. <laughs> wow. Conan wins again award. It's a tissue box. I've won 750 million of these in my uh, lifetime. A tissue box? Well, it looks like a tissue box to you, but those of us in the know know that that's not a Puffs Plus Lotion <laughs> tissue box. That is uh, let's an award for once again winning. <laughs> anyway, go check out uh, the new Top Gun movie. It's great. Evergreen. And yeah. Evergreen. And we really, yeah, exactly. This is his evergreen as it gets. Because you know what? Tom Cruise will put out another one in 35 years. Yeah, in 35 years. So this years, will still be relevant. Check it out. Don't get monkeypox. Um, yes. Who won the cup? I don't know. I'll salute oh, President God. Joe Rogan. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, please. He's built for politics. All right, let's uh, go. Big I'm still show. trying to think of 
of a movie with a number. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on that. I got really nervous and I just blew it. I'm okay. sorry. What about... Um, Guess what? Hmm. The uh, I remembered I once saw a really good movie about Sparta and I looked down at my seat afterwards. I was in sitting in row 300. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really goes, good, right? I, uh, I went to see a classic screening of Deliverance, and I looked down and I saw that I was seating in row, row, row your boat. <laughs> you oh could, God, that's it! I'm gonna we introduce can't do the that. Guest. Uh-huh. I, I was thinking of numbers. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 I can't do the things that you guys do. You're, my brain's not. You can't like you. do what Gorley just did. <laughs> that's just good. Try and that means me. you have try. no tumor. <laughs> <laughs> that means. Oh, that means you're going to live. I was at He's a got something of, uh, He's got something cop, and I looked down. On, no, this better be good. I was at a screening of Kindergarten Cop when I looked down and I saw that I was seated in row. It's not a tumor. That's no, not even a quotes, though. Uh-huh. You're just ruining the thing. The yeah, premise well, doesn't from the line beginning. up at all. I'm oh, trying to think of you're a number. You're out of order. And you're, no. She had a great ass. <laughs> She's out of control. I was at a few good men and I was sitting in. You can't handle the truth. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Row two can't handle the tooth. No, man. What? I don't know. I don't want to. No, come on. I can't do this. Unbelievable. Got you. My guest today has started such films as The Royal Tenenbaums, Legally Blonde, and Old School. Now you can see him in the new Netflix movie, Look Both Ways. Very excited to chat with this fellow today. I really like this gentleman. Luke Wilson, welcome. Luke, I think you're fantastic. I have an immediate affection for this guy whenever I see him. You and I saw each other at a sushi restaurant a number of years ago. I instantly had the thought, why isn't this guy my friend? This is before I even had the podcast. We were both waiting for our table and I saw you sort of skulking in the corner. Like a rat. I don't know why I threw that in. <laughs> why would you want to be your friend? Maybe that's why you're not <laughs> my friend. Radio. You've got to paint a picture. <laughs> no, and I immediately thought, because we talked about music, you're always really funny. I've always loved talking to you on the show, and you're always uh, very authentic. And I thought, I, I just really like this guy. Why aren't we friends? And then I, I figured um, there must be a reason. There's something, there's some kind of mustard seed of discontent that's lodged between us. Well, um, that's really nice of you to say that. I mean, I've always <laughs> felt the same way. And on my way here, I was, I was, I was talking to a high school friend of mine. He said, "You're going to be on Conan's show. You're never going to be able to keep up with Conan. <laughs> you know the way you are. You take your time. You're slow with things." I was like, "Geez, maybe you're right." Because whenever I've run into him, it's been for like two, three minutes where I'll just fly high, and then you know. Uh, well, it's funny because I was driving here on the way to this podcast recording, and I was. Thinking thinking, Luke's never going to be able to keep up with oh, me. God. Just, there's no way. He's got that, <laughs> that's, that kind of charming but slow Dallas, Texas approach. <laughs> I'm coming in all hot Boston mass. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's really true. You know, I mean, you're waiting for your, you're, you're cooking those ribs up real slow. Taking 12 hours to slow cook <laughs> that biscuit. And, and you've, just, got, you've got that lobster boil. <laughs> I'm just slinging that chowder into my face, getting horribly burned. You got your feet up. You know, you got your Martin guitar. You're plucking a blues tune. You're just waiting for those ribs to cook up. Maybe someone from Mary Kay Cosmetics is going to come by. That's a that's a Dallas you're, favorite. You're listening um, to Jump Around. I'm right down. <laughs> 
I got my Celtics jersey on. The party. And all my white friends who are just thugs and we're just jumping around. Yeah. To some kind of quoting the departed, and uh, I'm I'm, I'm quoting Lonesome Dove. Exactly. How can we be friends? We come from such different worlds. Yeah. You know, even the Everly brothers, they they didn't get along. Oh, they 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 really didn't get along, but they they made beautiful beautiful music. music. Yeah, they harmonized. They harmonized. And maybe that's, you know, I'm far down the neck, you're way up the neck, and together it makes a beautiful sound, you know? I agree with you. I think we should end it here. Yeah. It's not going to get better. No, than this. it's not. But, and that was about my three or four minutes that my, that my, that my friend said I had in me. And, you know, I feel that he was right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's these little accidents of fate that come up in my life. You know, you have those deja vu moments or there's something in the air. Yesterday, my wife has no idea that you're coming on the show, none at all. And we we're trying to think of a funny, really great, funny movie uh, to show my son. And we're constantly trying to think of, you've probably had this where you want to watch a good movie, you want to show someone a good movie, and you're faced with all the movies in the world, and you're trying to think of what's the funny one. And my wife and I are trying, we've shown him so many good movies, and then my wife, out of the blue, just said, Bottle Rocket. Huh. And I was like, yeah, Bottle Rocket. And then I said, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Luke tomorrow. And she was like, on the podcast? And I said, no, I'm just going to his house to talk to him through his window. <laughs> I was a real wise ass, which I don't often do with my wife. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go to his house and talk to him through his window. And she was like, fuck off. And I said, I want a divorce. And so that's ending. Um, <laughs> but we brought up Bottle Rocket yesterday. And then I realized uh, that's the first time I heard of you, Owen, Wes Anderson was, I think, in what would have been 96 or 95 when my late night show was still really new. There was this movie everyone was talking about, Bottle Rocket. And that's kind of, I mean, I knew you guys were making shorts before that, but this was your first. Yeah, that was the, that was the first movie we made, Bottle Rocket. And yeah, I think it was about, I think we might have made it in about 94, 95. And then they wanted to sit on it for a year because they could feel that it was such a groundbreaking film. <laughs> it's really going to take the town by storm. Uh, but no, I think it wound up coming out in about uh, 97. Um, but yeah, that would have been think, when I first met you. Yeah, and I, I know that I, was, I wasn't I was sure. Did you come on the show then for Butter Rocket? I know that Owen did. And I remember thinking, does this guy have a, a brother I would prefer? <laughs> is there and an alternate? <laughs> is there a younger, preferable brother? No. Um, and, uh, and, and sure enough, because you ended up, you and I, you've been on the show a lot and I've always clicked with you, but that's the first time I saw you guys, which is in that movie, which I really loved. And then um, another thing that's been in the atmosphere lately is, uh, is you know, James Caan just passed and yeah. he's in that movie and he's terrific because I yeah. saw him, how amazing that you're these two young guys, these punks who make this movie and you got the great James Caan to be in it. Yeah, he... He was so great on that movie, and I think uh, I think probably what got him into it was the fact that James L. Brooks was producing it, right? Right. Um, because yeah, we were. It was you know Wes Anderson, and then. Uh, Owen and Andrew and myself. Yeah, I think uh, he probably would have just done it on the strength of James L. Brooks. I don't know that, you know, the script maybe would have appealed to him that much. But yeah, yeah, he couldn't have been nicer. I actually went to the, in Santa Monica, they were showing The Wild Bunch last night on Mm -hmm. 70 millimeter and went to see it. 
And uh, a guy named Paul Sedor, like a Peckinpah scholar and writer, mm-hmm. gave a little speech before it, but he, he had a he mentioned James Kahn and uh, David Werner and uh, two other guys from kind of the Peckinpah stable. Right. And then uh, he had a little moment of silence for those guys, which was really nice. Mm. He had it in the movie theater. And uh, but yeah, James Kahn, he you know he he was. Uh, El Dorado has been on lately and sure. just incredible to think that that guy would have been connected back to, you know, Robert Mitchum and John Wayne. And he couldn't have been nicer to us on the movie. I think there were definitely, you know, when he died, I was kind of talking with Owen about it, just saying those first couple of days, you could definitely see in his eyes like, okay, well, what am I doing here? I'm in a trailer in a parking lot in Dallas. These guys are very odd. <laughs> um, but, then he, but then he really kind of warmed up to us. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was one of those people that was really fun to talk to about sure. different movies he'd worked on. You know, we, we were asking him about Brando and he was like, yeah, you know, Brando, it was like it was like you guys with me. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, that, and that really was kind of how we were. Isn't know? that crazy when uh, just someone like that can drop a name like Brando and and then somehow liken it to you and you think, no. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, but it's just so amazing because I, I know you guys are incredible film buffs yeah you and your brother just like really as kids you know growing up in in dallas really you were really into film yeah right? really into movies and i i would got to be friends with harry dean stanton over the years and got to work with him a couple times and harry dean was one of those guys you know wouldn't text so you'd have to call him and um call and have these kind of funny long conversations and then he'd kind of he'd click off and take a call and couple times he'd click back over and say I gotta go that's Marlon uh, oh my god <laughs> yeah, so isn't that crazy yeah just unbelievable and then those guys would chat about you know how they were both nothing and nothing mattered yeah I was at a party once and I'm a huge Beatles fanatic and Paul McCartney's there and I come into I walk into a room and he's there playing a guitar and he's playing it upside down and backwards because it's strung for righty and I just said, wow, I, I don't know how you do that. And he's like, oh, you know, when I was growing up in Liverpool, you know, I'd, bought, I'd nick John's guitar. And if I had, you know, and I'd play it this way, it was the only way I could because I'm lefty. But if I had restrung it, he'd have crippled me. And I'm like, you can't just talk about John like that. That's, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. Like, well, Brando's on the line. I got to go. And then I just think I'm not in this reality. Well, I, I mean, I, it is incredible to me. And I, I mean, I think about it now when people like James Conn die is that you know you're we're kind of the same age but we did we're lucky enough to know people like that you know from you know the 50s and stuff like that oh my god i think and about then, that all then the time to think that you know paul you know the kind of the first generation or the maybe the second generation of rock and roll mm-hmm. um just that you know these guys who really were pioneers so pretty incredible the chance you get to talk I, to anytime like i'm even in the room even if i don't get to talk to them if i'm just in the room uh, on our late night show once we had uh, Scotty Moore was on who was Elvis's yeah, original guitarist, guitarist yeah. and he's in the room in Sun Session at Sunset at Sun Studios when they just accidentally are messing around and they cut That's All Right Mama and he's with Bill Black and it's part of the original lineup and he was on the show and he was messing around with the band 
And I just said, uh, you know, um, excuse me, Mr. Moore, could, could you show me how you play the the solo in That's All Right, Mama? You know, and he said, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it goes like this. And he does it. And his hands are doing the same thing they did in 1954 when he and this very strange kid uh, changed the world. Yeah, truck driver changed the world. I always have the same feeling, which is I don't deserve to be here seeing this. You know, it's just an immediate. But then I think, well, just be here. Shut up. You know what? I want to ask you this. I didn't realize that you guys grew up in an Irish Catholic household, which I never uh, I never knew that until I I did a little reading today on you guys. You know, I, I I've had a guy, and I've had a guy wa- following you for a while, so I know what you've been up to. <laughs> I picked that up when you walked in talking about Dallas, Texas. Oh, I always knew that. That I knew. Um, I've always had it in for you guys because yeah, my my parents are from my dad's from a little town Belmont, right beside Boston, and then my mom's from a town called Norwell. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I guess we're Irish Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I, guess it's, I guess it's cool to tell you of all people you that. You can tell me that. <laughs> At um, least, I mean, you could be, you know, you can, it, I don't know. I mean, you could be Lutheran. You could yeah. be Episcopalian. Me, there's no getting around it. Everyone knows. If I come into the room and say, oh, I was just at Temple. They're like, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you could be one of those submarine guys. You never know quite what's going on. <laughs> I was I was watching it. You know, Jiminy Glick. I was mm-hmm. going to love oh my those God. things. The great, I, the I great. Martin Short, Short, Yeah, I was watching a couple of those a couple weeks ago, and then somehow it just led right into you and Martin Short talking. And it was a long talk that you guys had. Hmm. He started talking about, you know, Irish Catholic families, and then you were talking about you thought coming from your kind of larger family really affected your timing and things like that. But I kind of kind of agree with stuff like that when you're in a family like that, that it can kind of forge. Uh, well, because was your was, for, for example, was your dad funny? Did he like humor? He must have been. Yeah, he, he was a pretty funny guy. Um, you know, I think he got kind of driven crazy by us, you know, his three sons at times. But he definitely had a good sense of humor. And he had a couple of friends that were really, really funny. And they wouldn't edit themselves because you were, you know, seven or 11 years old. Um, so, yeah, he had some he had some good, funny friends. But that was, that was one thing that was funny that Martin Schwartz said in the interview with him. He was talking about his father. He said he was, you know, worked for a, a steel company and was kind of a serious guy and he had a bar in his office but he wouldn't touch it during the daytime and he'd get home at the end of the day and make himself a, a drink and then read the newspaper while the family was eating mm-hmm. and then just occasionally say that you don't shovel the food into your mouth. Yes, yes, yeah. And then he jumped up and said, Mark, you just you keep eating. I'll keep the animals away. I mean, that to me seemed like really, really funny guy but just kind of you know, in that kind of businessman mode and then being around. I mean, who, you can't imagine how funny Martin Short must have been back then when he well, was being kind of uh, reined in probably by teachers. and. Yeah, well, Marty used to get underneath the table and he talks about this and he's written about it, but he used to get underneath the table and record his father. And his father was from Ireland, so he had an Irish accent. Uh-huh. And he, he would record stuff because even then he was really into, I've got to capture all of this. 
And um, so sure enough, even, I mean, you can imagine Marty Short, I, I imagine him just having the same head that he has today as an adult, <laughs> but just a little kid's body yeah. being under the table and recording everything that's being said and, and thinking, you know, I'm going to use all yeah. of this in SCTV and then movies yeah. and everything for the rest of my life and make everybody pay. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of it's not just, you know, maybe being funny or saying something funny. It's also just absorbing, you know, funny things that happen or, you know, teasing that happens to you, just kind of taking it in. And uh, I mean, I was kidding around with uh, Owen's youngest son, who's like seven. I was saying, Finn, now I've got a beard. Owen's got a beard. Friend Quimby, he has a beard. Do, do you ever want to grow a beard? And just, he, you could just see it kind of hit him and he was just immediately started saying, yeah, yeah I, don't, I want a beard. I'm going to grow a beard. I just don't want to grow one like you. Uh, but just trying to not miss a beat, you know, it was like, it was like a dog trying to like paddle in water. <laughs> So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident, so are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform. And one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people, no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com. Slash Conan. Is your money just sitting around being lazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't like Get that. Get a job, money. No, that's not what I oh. meant. But in a way, it is what I meant. Okay. That's a good point, Sona. You have hard-earned cash, and it should always be working towards a better financial future for you. Your money shouldn't be sitting around 
you know, watching reruns on TV and eating nachos. It should be working for you. Well, guess what? Robinhood pioneered commission-free stock trading over a decade ago. They continue to offer innovative products to help you maximize your money's potential. That's good. You got to have that money working for you, man. Yeah. With over 23 million funded customers, Robinhood is helping people build a better financial future. With Robinhood, it's simple to make investments towards your future goals, whatever those may be. We all have some bucket list items to cross off, and Robinhood has tools to help you pursue them. Investing a small amount now could make a big difference 30 years down the road. That's good. Isn't that a nice thing? Give yourself 30 years from now a gift of what you do now. (laughs) It's nice to be in the driver's seat and have autonomy when making investments, which is easy to do with Robinhood. Take your financial future by the reins. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. Investing involves risk and loss principle is possible. Remember that? Other fees may apply. Returns are not guaranteed. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. You're a kid, and you obviously, you're funny, you you and and uh, your brothers, you like being funny, but you, you get very specific about movies at some point, and you must have known, I'd, I'd kind of like to get into this business. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just a, a big part of our lives was going to movies, and, you know, if it was R-rated, how are we going to get into it? You know, whether it was like Escape from New York or yeah. An Officer and a Gentleman, you know, you know, okay, do we get a guy to go in and prop open the back door? Do we get a cool-looking guy that's alone, that's buying a ticket to buy us a couple of tickets? So that was kind of the, the drive in our I'm life. Pi- I'm picturing the three of you on each other's shoulders in a really long trench coat. <laughs> but three of them no, super tall. Has anyone ever tried? Has anyone in real life ever really tried that? Where then you go to pay for the ticket and the hand comes out of the crotch? <laughs> that's a different kind of theater. Yeah, I, I, I think still, we yeah, exactly. tried it all, but yeah. Yeah, we were just very into movies and, um, you know, going to them, reading about them. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, you know, when Owen went to the University of Texas and met Wes Anderson and, you know, Wes wanted to be a director. Owen was always writing and, you know, kind of interested in in acting as well. And then that's kind of when we just thought that we'd try and make a movie. And uh, I think maybe uh, Ed Burns' first movie, Brothers McMullen, had come out, so we'd heard that, okay, maybe if you can scrape together some money, you can make a whole movie. And then, you know, discovered that even that was pretty hard to do. And then um, met this guy, Kit Carson in Dallas, who was uh, kind of a uh, experimental filmmaker. It sounds like a gunslinger. Well, then we ran across Kit Carson. Well, that, that was, that I, is it, an old It is an old name. It is, name. yeah, it is an old seller's name. But, but I just loved it. Then we ran into Kit Carson. Did he help you get into film? No, he shot us. We, so we wind up on just the Chisholm Trail. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of how we got started. He told us to make uh, a short film. Uh, and then that's how we got started. I have to say, uh, I think from one of my favorite movies uh, of all time has got to be Rushmore. I mean, it's really up there. And I've always loved you as the put upon 
date who's being bullied by essentially by a, a child. Kid. Yeah, by a kid. <laughs> you're, you're trying so hard to be decent. Uh, it's something you're really funny playing is I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a, a good guy here. I'm trying to be decent and weather this. And this kid is just a prick. I, I met Bill Clinton once and he was like, you do put upon really well. <laughs> That's something you're really good at. That's, uh, <laughs> That's interesting. I just think it's funny for a president. It's one thing for me to notice that because I work in this business, right. you know, but for it's just so funny to think of you meeting Putin and he's just like, you, you the put upon you. Yeah. Very good. Straight, straight man. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I, um, no, it did kind of throw me off too to think that, gosh, yeah. I, I don't like the idea that he's watching even a comedy that closely. Uh, right. Yeah. Where he'd kind of notice that. Yeah. I noticed a couple of takes where you seemed a little off. <laughs> the same time <laughs> I went through the dailies. I mean, Houston's a good town. You must have been partying. <laughs> Was that it? <laughs> he gets really, Clinton gets really specific. <laughs> There's a Hooters out on the <laughs> I know who was partying before you shot on that day. <laughs> yeah, what have you what have you enjoyed the most of the of the movies that you've made or what are the ones that you've really feel like, oh my God, I loved making that one? Yeah, maybe the Royal Tenenbaums just because like you were saying, Rushmore was really was really fun to make and just happy that Owen and Wes got to make another movie because mm -hmm. you know, we thought Bottle Rocket was it. There was always kind of a feeling of melancholy we were wait while we were making it because we knew that the studio didn't like it, they didn't like the dailies, you know, the always they were always going to be sending executives down to kind of monitor us right so just the fact that those guys got to make another movie and then you know that they were able to get bill murray to act and it was really exciting so then you know on the tenenbaums just knowing how much Wes loved New York, the fact that he'd get to shoot in New York and, you know, have Gene Hackman and, oh my, I know. and Angelica Houston yeah. really start putting people in it. Um, yeah, that for me was probably the most exciting of those. And then really fun just to get to visit, you know, uh, the life aquatic and get to see Wes shooting in, in Europe and stuff like that. But in terms of the things that have been the most fun to make, um, it's always kind of been with, you know, funny people. You know, when yeah. I've gotten to work with Will Farrell, that's always been, he's such a good guy, but also just a funny guy and a hard worker. One time I'd run into Will at the at the U.S. Open tennis in New York, and Will was with his, his kids at the time, and one of his sons was probably like six or seven, and we were sitting at kind of a high table with like bar stools watching the tennis and his kids were around and Will was saying he was kind of worried they'd had like too many Cokes. They were getting all kind of jacked up. <laughs> and then at one point they they had Will and I on the, on the Jumbotron talking and didn't know it. And his son came up to the table. So his chin's just kind of at table level. He's like, dad, dad. And Will turns and he points, the son points to the Jumbotron. And Will looks at the Jumbotron and while looking at it, puts his hand on his son's face and just pushes <laughs> out of frame. And, and it's still one of the funniest things. And then the son, the little hands come out. Like, I mean, 
it was still one of the That's funniest great. and just like a physical thing, not even a not even a joke or a line. But it's still about the funniest thing I've ever seen Will do. Just a huge hand on his face, you know, pushing him down and out of the frame while on the jumbo John. Yeah. I think we have something in common which is people don't talk about it as much these days, but Mad Magazine was yeah. a big deal when I was a kid. That's where I think I also mainlined some of my humor. Was yeah, from, me I mean, definitely from television shows. Uh, but Mad Magazine was kind of influential. Yeah, me too. And I, I think just kind of, I don't remember anybody else reading it. Definitely neither of my brothers. I think I just kind of got it at the local kind of mom and pop grocery store up the street. But that was the first thing I ever got, got kind of organized to do was to get the uh, subscription to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'd even, I mean, this you were probably older, a little older by then, but- I was in know, my 40s. At the well, time. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying when, when you'd have yeah. read Mad and <laughs> yeah, you'd yeah. have to get cracked. Oh my, now, cracked? no, that's the thing is I wasn't going to go over to that to Cracked, but, but uh, there was I, a, Mad, there was a, yeah, Mad Magazine, I think had its huge, I mean, it was very influential in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And then I'm reading it in the 70s when they're reprinting a lot of parodies of movies that I had never seen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't even know why things were funny. Yeah. But you could kind of get uh, a sense of timing and rhythm from these For comic sure. panels, which, and also there was an artist there uh, in, the, in the magazine who uh, drew for them called Don Martin. Right. And yeah. he would write out the most fantastic sound effects and right. sight gags. And I think, so I just, uh, I'd take a bunch with me to summer camp. And I remember, you know, summer camp is sort of like jail sometimes because you're usually on a bunk bed. <laughs> right. You're far from home. You're not that happy and you're waiting to be released. And I remember just sitting on my bunk bed and flipping yeah. through Mad Magazine. and Yeah, definitely would have been late 70s, early 80s when I was into it. But, you know, just really funny stuff and funny movie parodies. And I once was wound up sitting next to David Lee Roth on a flight from New York to oh. LA and and we just started talking and really got to laughing about some stuff and you know once got kind of comfortable talking to him you know I at the time Van Halen was broken up and I and he he brought he brought you know the band up and I said well Dave I mean do you think that you guys will ever get back together and he said well you know it's just gonna take a lot of hope and patience it turns out they're not just two strippers in Albuquerque (laughs) (laughs) and and then and then and then later I said to him uh, did you read Mad Magazine growing up by any chance and he said who do you think you're talking to white boy (laughs) that's fantastic I don't think I've I've never had an extended conversation with David Lee Roth. He's a really, really funny guy. I mean, it's all kind of one-liners, one after the other. Yeah, Um, he's kind of, it's funny because he was in this, you know, one of the biggest rock bands of all time, but he's he's a little bit of an outlier. He's kind of, I think, aspired to be like a Vegas showman. Yeah. Which is probably some of the friction with the other guys in the band. He would drive Al and Ed crazy because, you know, I think sometimes he would, talk and kind of scat more than he would actually sing. Um, which, which, I mean, as a kid, you always, like, loved all that stuff in, like, you know, Panama yeah. for teacher when he's, you know, just doing those kind of one-liners, like, you know, I don't feel tardy. And, uh, <laughs> and, and have you seen Junior's grades? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just loved all those kind of one-liners, but I guess if you're in the band with him and wanted well, to sing. Well, also, one of the first 
first things he did when he went solo was like this Louis Prima stuff. Right. I ain't just got no bunny. He's like, you know, yeah, I'm just a gigolo. And he's like, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, you just left pretty, you just left like Led Zeppelin. Right. Uh, and you go right to, but I mean, hey, wasn't that your introduction to Louis Prima? It really it was. Definitely was. Mine. No, it was. I was thinking, this is great. It's I can't believe like David fine. Lee Roth wrote this. Yeah, and people were like, like, you idiot, that's Louis Prima. Yeah. It's like finding Woody Guthrie through Bob Dylan. You know, it's like you get introduced to this stuff. Right, right. They'll be able to clip out that pause where you're just kind of staring at me. Right? <laughs> no, we're going to, what we do is you're comparing we Dylan and Woody yeah. Guthrie to Diamond Dave. <laughs> And Louis it, Prima. But I understand it. Yeah. I was with you all the time. I don't know why. You know, I want to compliment you quickly. We're going to get off topic. But you walked in with a gift, and very few people do that. This is very nice for you. You brought me a book by the great Werner Herzog, which I, I don't have this book. Is this fairly new? It's no, it's no book. Can I read the inscription, or is this private? Sure, you can read it. Conan, today you are Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> and it's up to you to get me up and over that mountain in the Peruvian jungle. And let's face it, it might not be worth it when we get there. Your friend Luke. <laughs> I love no. this. Have you encountered uh, Werner Herzog in no. your life? No, I haven't. But yeah, I've, been, I've read a couple of... Uh, reviews of the book. It's about a guy that was on a, it's a Japanese guy that after the war ended, he stayed on this island. Yes, famously. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know the war was over and he stayed. Right, till the and, 70s. And then in the 1970s, some tourists were on the island and yeah. they were getting shot at. And they're like, what's going on? And uh, he wouldn't come out. I know the real story. I don't know Werner Herzog's version. I just know the real story, which is they had to go to Japan and get his now very old commander right. to come back and tell him you're relieved of duty. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah. I mean, uh, because he wouldn't accept that the war was over and he had to hear it from his commander who was, you know, working at a Rite Aid in Tokyo. So, that's, I mean. That's how it'll eventually end for us here in Hollywood. <laughs> your, your, your first agent will show up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? I got, I've got like an old musket. No, you're just firing jokes yeah. out of a cave. Yeah, 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 firing jokes out of a musket. Yeah. Conan, Conan, come out. It's fine. It's over. There, <laughs> there, there is no show at Radio City. The, the preparations for nothing. This is so nice, but you're a big reader. I know you're a big reader because you're always talking to me about books you've just been reading or read. I buy a lot of books. You don't I read definitely them. got that from my dad. Do you build dad. shelves with them? Is that what you do? You use them to prop up things. Um, no, I always, uh, you know, it's uh, just... I always, I'm always looking for a good book. Tend to read a lot of, you know, biographies and read a lot about music and stuff like that. It's not as if I'm reading kind of deep, uh, you know, intellectual texts. Well, it's funny. I have a thing. Uh, my wife pretty much only reads fiction, and she reads That's good. She reads the classics, and she's very uh, incredibly smart and 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 literate. And I always my go to was history. I will only read yeah. history. And my attitude was, I just want to know what, ha I've got to know what happened. I need to right. know what happened. I don't have time to waste. 
on someone's made up story. <laughs> you know, and she'll say like, <laughs> she, and, and, and she'll say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm reading like this classic yeah. of literature, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading Dostoevsky or something. I'm like, ah, it's all made up, <laughs> blithering and blathering. I've got to know what really happened. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah, and that's my, so that's my go-to. Um, I'm trying to get out of that. I'm trying to read more and more fiction. Yeah, I try and read a little fiction here and there. It is great when you do find a good fiction book. You're doing a lot of <laughs> shifting around in your chair. and uh, I was told to sit up straight. Uh, by your parents or <laughs> by, by someone here? One of your producers said, are you going to be slouching like that or are you going to sit up? <laughs> Who said that? No, no. Eduardo did. Eduardo. Yeah. Yeah. You're not to just, you're not to. Because I'd gotten here before you, which I guess is pretty common. <laughs> what are you talking um, so, about? You got here, you showed up early. You showed up early, which was clearly a power move. Big time power move. But then you 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 breezed in, and then you were talking about Dallas, putting <laughs> Dallas down. And, sure, yeah. Uh, you come it. in here with your Dallas ways. <laughs> I'm just there's a natural uh, look. I'm I'm from Boston, so when I hear some wise ass is coming in from <laughs> Dallas, going to put me in my place, I I come in swinging. That's who I am. I got it. <laughs> uh, what else are we going to talk about here? We can talk about your personal life. What's going on? Can I help you in any way? I'd be a good wingman, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. So, would uh, I be a good wingman? Uh, no. Okay. Nah. No. Okay. No. Right. You know what? No. He's really good you, about talking people up, but I don't think Luke needs you, that. You Luke doesn't be, need it. You no. might be one of those wingmen that you kind of steal the thunder. There like, it there's is. The, he's the wingman that that actually you see him like riding off into the sunset with the girl. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was, hey I was, what can I say? I was just trying to help. Who knew? Who knew that she was into a guy who's got a, so many good shots? Shocked as you are. <laughs> Why are we becoming Vinnie Barbarino? <laughs> I was just trying to build you up. <laughs> you boring son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be building you up by saying, oh, yeah, you'd love Luke. He was really good on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Suddenly she's kissing me. Who knew this would happen? I just think, you know, I, I think uh, you should take me out sometime. Because I see us having a great time going out. Let, let's do it. Let's go to dinner. All right. But what, tell me what's going to happen at this dinner. Seriously. I want you to look into the future. You're a smart guy, a creative. What do you really think is going to happen when you and I go to dinner? First you, of all, what you, kind of food are we going to get? We're at Chasen's. We're having the chili. Wait, Jason's Jason's closed, closed okay. in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're at uh, Musso and Frank. Okay, again, uh, no, Musso oh, and Frank no, works. They're, it, they're still open. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, everything's going good. I mean, I, I am excited to talk to you. I mean, it's really nice to be here and uh, to meet your crew and to see this build this wonderful see, fortress. We built this wonderful place, uh, kind of um, a madman's lair. I think what I'd like to do is. Have the word get out that some, you know, some really wild stuff is happening here oh, yeah. in this building where we're making the podcast, you know? Mm. I mean, and, it's and, fun and, during and the day, but you really want to be there late night. Yeah, you want to be there late at night when Conan really lets his freak flag a fly. Yeah. There should just be one morning where foam is just coming out all the windows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A blue foam. Yeah. A blue foam is coming out the window. And people, and when people ask, say, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. You have to ask. Yeah. 
But I'd like to be known as a guy who's like the center, like this is my Playboy mansion. Can you start spreading that rumor for us? <laughs> yeah, Would you mind? yeah I'll, I'll do that when I leave here. Yeah, just say there's all kinds of stuff going on. Don't get too specific. The less specific you are, the more interesting it's going to make it seem. It, it's wild. I, I know there was the, it was the first podcast, I, you know, it's the first one I did where there was an intimacy coordinator. Which I, <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, I, I thought this was a podcast. I, and how weird was it that that Conan was the intimacy coordinator, too? I was both the guy doing the scene with you and the intimacy coordinator. Now, the guy okaying gonna, it all. Luke, I'm going to put my hand here. How's that? Okay. Have you worked with an intimacy coordinator? I, I, I haven't. Um, I, I desperately, I, I desperately, I mean, I need one in my marriage and my life. I need an intimacy coordinator. But the idea of being on film. More eye contact, Conan. More eye contact. And being told this is where I'm going to put yeah. my hand. And I mean, that, that would just freak me out yeah. completely. I, th I think that is the way they kind of do things. I, I actually think I did work with one one time within the past few years. I just it was one of those things where I found myself kind of studying the poor person more than I was listening to what they were actually saying. And they, yeah, and this is yeah, we were just doing a hug, right? I mean, I just said, okay, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was a handshake. It's a scene where yeah. you where you shake your grandfather's hand, and and you, an intimacy coordinator came right. in. Yeah. Now I was going to follow up and do that. Speaking of Clinton, where you handshake yes. and then you grab the forearm yes. to yeah. really establish a connection. We had a Clinton story, and you were with me for this, Sona. Yeah. I did some uh, event uh, with uh, President Clinton a bunch of years ago, and afterwards. We were in a hallway, and Clinton was chatting with me and you. And yeah. who else was there? It was a third and person. And then there was uh, Steve Beslow, and I think Brick Kahn was yeah, there. Yeah, but we were just sitting there, and he was really talking. To, I mean, Sona and I were the main—he was talking to us, yeah. I think. And it was, of course, some kind of policy thing. Yeah. And he was saying, like, now, see, if we can get, you know, fresh a desalinization plant in there, you know, that's a country that could really, you know, you'd see a 25% improvement in mortality rates. And he was going on and on. And his people came up and were signaling behind me, he's got to go. We're late to go. And so I'd say, I kept trying to cut in and go to say, basically, Mr. President, you need You're to done. go. You're, You're done. But it's it's a former president. It's Bill Clinton. Right. So he was going like, and I'll tell you something else. If you can, if you know, if you could get the World Bank to, <laughs> to you know, and if you could take this and then you could do that, you could you would see at least a 7% decrease in the number of unwanted deaths that have happened in that region because you've brought the guacamole in from a whole different area. <laughs> see, and he was talking, up, tick. He, yeah, he was, he was talking to us. And at one point they made the signal again and... I leaned out of the circle, yeah. leaving you talking yeah. to him. I yeah. leaned out. I had no idea. And what I he just was said, saying. What do you want me to do? <laughs> like hit him with a stick? Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I don't know what you hey, want guys. me to do. Like punch him? You eventually did, Sona. You said I have to go shoplift. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's exactly you, what I got to go said. shoplift a scrunchie at uh, Forever 21. <laughs> I May I quickly uh, go to the deal. restroom? <laughs> yes, you may. Thanks. But you have to come back. Yeah, I will. We're going to talk about you while you're gone. It's right in there. This has never happened. No, this is a wait, first. really? Yeah. No. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. There's a, keep, there are marks in there, though. Keep, 
keep rolling on this, yeah. and I don't want you editing this out. This is a first. I would never do that. I think I'm you would be a great wingman for him. I'm sorry I, think, I didn't back you, you up, could, but you know. no, I think I would be a good wingman. Right now, you'd be a great wingman. Get in there. Oh no, 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 no. Is that what's a wingman? No, what's no, a wingman? Wingman is not someone who follows you into the bathroom. It's not as you urinate. First of all, can we yeah. can we agree that this is a first, maybe in podcast history, that someone has left the studio to go urinate? I've done it. You don't have to specify. But what I'm yeah. saying is that this is historic, and he has left, and now we can talk about him. Right. I should take advantage of this. Okay. I do think I'd be a great wingman. There's the flush. I, Hurry. I do wonder if he really is going to want to have dinner with me. Do you no, think he really does want to? No, I think he just said that to be nice. And it's not because he doesn't want to. I think we're both too shy. I think okay. he doesn't oh, want back. to. Okay. Yeah. okay, he's okay. coming back. Yeah. I think he'll slouch. But I think this was a good opportunity <laughs> for us to get that out. Um, hey, Luke. Did you guys stay live? <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. This is going out. This is live. Did you know that? This is going Very out. Very relaxing in the bathroom, by the way. Oh. <laughs> could you hear us? Are they piping it in? I could not. Oh, good. <laughs> could hear you. That was a lot of urine. A lot of just like... <laughs> okay. Okay. It is quiet in here. This is yeah. nice. Yeah. This is nice. I wonder how long I've been in there. <laughs> you were gone for four I wonder minutes. how long I've been in here. Luke, the consensus when you were gone was <clears throat> A, I would be a good wingman. Sona said that. B, that they don't think this dinner is going to happen. Because they think we're both too shy. They they don't think it's because you don't want to have it happen. That's what I think. But that we're we're not going to be able to, you know, consummate this dinner. Well, I mean, we live in the same neighborhood. That helps. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's you know already you eliminate the four oh five that that's killed a lot of relationships. <laughs> At least it has in my life. <laughs> what's, uh, yeah, I mean, um, what's, what, I had one of my children went to that. school past the 405 and I haven't seen him since. So, I mean, it's ru- it's destroyed families. More than the Civil War yeah. was the 405 freeway. <laughs> Seriously, you know? No, I, I think we're going to do it. You, you've just got, you're you're a busy guy. I mean, I can do it any time. What are you talking about? You're I can a busy do, guy. I can, I can, ball in your I can, court. I can do it at the drop of a hat. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do we're, You and I are going to get dinner in the next two weeks. Great. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Great. And I'm going to podcast from the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to. We're here. I, you you we're are right a, about uh, me having a lot going on because I am going to podcast from the dinner. Uh-huh. Um, well, I, I, you, I, I mean, I want to mention this. Look both ways. And this is with you and. I love her, Lily Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. She's great. She She's was awesome. from Riverdale, I think. Yeah. yeah. The person that I work with, my agent, Alon, when he and I were first talking about the movie, he was describing the story. And I said, ah, oh, it sounds really funny. He said, it's with Lily Reinhardt. And I said, okay, well, I'm not exactly clear on who that is. And he said, well, she has 28 million followers. And I said, well, I guess I better do the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and really, that's kind of the, the age we're living in. Yes, I, yes. It's absolutely, obviously, no reflection on her that I wasn't. You know, no, it's uh, really becoming a reflection on us. I mean, <laughs> really? more and more, I—I uh, I mean, when I go through my newsfeed and it's talking about celebrities, I often don't know who anyone <laughs> under thirty is. 
And then I find out that they have 180 billion followers <laughs> yeah. and they're considered a god in India. And I'm thinking, I don't, oh, what yeah. is this? I don't understand. Yeah, but. We, were, we were filming in Austin um, and I'm from Dallas, as you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Dallas. Ever since you shot JR, I can't forgive you. <laughs> anyway, continue. I thought you were going to say someone else. We, we were filming in this neighborhood in Austin. There would be these big groups of kids, you know, waiting for Lily. And I somehow kind of became the the go between where they would call me over and say, "Did I know if Lily was going to be coming out? Did I know if she was going to be signing things or doing pictures?" So I would have to then go on to set, and we'd do a take, and I'd say, oh, "Lily, by the way, there's uh, some neighborhood kids out there. They'd love to get a picture with you or <laughs> autograph, perhaps if you're feeling up to it." Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I would have screamed at the kids. <laughs> you know what? My picture in my day. I was quite the funny man. <laughs> oh, Total yeah. meltdown. No, they just completely went right over me. Just had me <laughs> a- act- acting as kind of the bag man sure. for, for Lily. Yeah, yeah. But she she was really great in it. And the story of the movie is uh, she graduates from the University of Texas and she has a one night stand. And it's kind of like the movie Sliding Doors, where it's two different stories where Mm -hmm. in one she's pregnant and has the child. Mm -hmm. And so she's kind of a single mother. And in the other story, she's not pregnant and moves to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, But she was really good, really funny and hard worker. And then the director, Winuri Kahui, was a great director. It's kind of her first big American movie. And uh, yeah, should be... Uh, should be fun. I, I I'm curious like about this because I've uh, never uh, worked in that world of film. And I would just imagine if you get, I know, people are begging me to. Uh, <laughs> this world of film. This world of film that you dabble <laughs> in. You make it sound like Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's a scam. I don't think it's going to last. But <laughs> it's, just, it's a, a flim flam, this film. Uh, but I, but I, I would think you show up and the director, having the chemistry with the director, has got to mean everything like having some kind of understanding and communication with the director yeah to to get along well with the director is you know i've kind of worked with lots of different just you know it's just like the actors just all kinds of different directors some people they give you a lot of notes some people don't give you any notes mm-hmm. and you know i always kind of think about like mike white where i did this show with mike where i'd do a take and say well mike you know what do you think yeah <laughs> Put his hands on. I don't know. Up. I don't know. Um, oh, that's got to feel great, right? And then, we, and then we'd be moving on. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm always one of those people where you know it's like I like a line reading. You know, if someone says, you know, like just how how would you do it? And then just you know, it's always kind of fun to try and do exactly what the director says. I've never understood that thing where actors, you know don't like to get line right. readings. Right, how dare you give me a line reading. Right, where it's really fun to then just try and imitate exactly what someone has just done. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. uh, or, or it's like I would always laugh with Mike Judge. You know, he'd give you an idea and be like, okay, Mike, I'm, let's do a take. I'm going to show you why that doesn't work. Uh, uh, let's go, guys. Um, but, uh, I can't believe we got through this whole interview and didn't mention Idiocracy, which... 
is uh, controversial for me now because when it first came out, I loved it so much, and I still do. But the fact that it's playing out as real now yeah. is very <clears throat> disturbing to me. Uh, this, this, uh, how we fetishize and seem to love who can be the stupidest person, and isn't it funny that everything's so stupid, is uh, worrisome to me. But there's so many great things in that movie. I think one of my favorite parts is when you look out the window in a lot of the scenes that take place uh, in, in the cityscape, you can see that no one knows how to take care of buildings anymore, so they're held up with rope. <laughs> There's so many things like that that just, that right. I, they're using ropes to keep skyscrapers right. from falling down because they lack engineering knowledge anymore. Right, well, I can just remember being on the movie with Mike and saying like, well, Mike, are you sure that we can do this? And you're like, uh, you don't think it's funny? And I'd be like, well, I think it's funny, but I mean, I'm totally immature, but I mean, is this <laughs> going to be able to fly? But yeah. I, I do remember when the in the last administration, they did hire somebody with a for a very important cabinet job that was actually from Carl's Jr. And I thought, <laughs> okay, now that is pretty incredible. <laughs> that, that, even I will agree that it is exactly These like worlds idiocracy. Are, yes, uh, yeah, it's starting to, uh, and, and, and just... The reverence they have for uh, these, you know, I'm over the top entertainers, and it's just becoming the reality of our political situation. Yeah, where I, I mean, people would ask me about it, and I'd always say, "Well, I actually think Camacho would make a great president." Yes, <laughs> I mean, he cared about the people, you know, was <laughs> kind of empathetic. Yes, you know, he wanted to take action. Yeah. He's yeah. looking pretty good right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Mike, Mike Judge is a pretty incredible guy. I mean, he is, yeah. This is, I mean, I have to say, I was driving in today mm -hmm. and uh, excited to be talking to you, but also knew that this would be one of the really good ones because you're a, uh, your friend is wrong. It's not about keeping up with Cohen. It's about meeting him halfway. <laughs> and that's a great country song. It's about, what country song is that? <laughs> <laughs> It's the Ballad of Conan. <laughs> See, this is the kind of conversation we're going to have at dinner. Oh, okay. At a uh, what kind of what kind of meal? What do you like to eat? Um, anything. Car Carl's Jr. Junior. Yeah. Carl's Jr. Not yeah. senior. Carl's Jr. Jr. Yeah, yes. Carl's Jr. Jr. <laughs> which is a vegan a, restaurant. Is, yeah, Carl's Jr. Jr. is a rebellion against his father. <laughs> so it's a vegan restaurant. <laughs> Carl, if you have time, we'll go to the regular Carl's Jr. But you know, if you're in a hurry, we'll go to Carl's Jr. Jr. On I love the, I love you um, setting up that I'm a really busy guy, which I don't think is the <laughs> That's case. It's kind of like a passive aggressive. Yeah. Thing. Oh, you're a busy Easy guy, you don't have time hey, for a hey, hey. simple fella like me. <laughs> a Dallas guy. Yeah, a Dallas guy. We, oh, man, you're one of those Boston guys. Never have time for a Dallas guy. Uh, Luke Wilson, uh, you're a... Uh, you're a wonderful fellow. You really are. I mean that honestly. And I love talking to you. And I look forward to our meal in the next two weeks. Thanks a ton for having me on. Really fun to talk to you and great to see you. So thanks very much. Thank you, sir. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it? But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield, CarShield plans... <laughs> 
provide protection <laughs> on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save twenty percent today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save twenty percent. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do that helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. Guys, it's time to get serious. We need to talk about the tragic power of this podcast. What do you mean? On a Summer S'mores episode from this summer, I mentioned a specific dessert that I like to enjoy with some bourbon from a place called Little Flower in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. I don't want to name the dessert, and I'll tell you why. My wife went in there this weekend. We had this whole weekend planned out. She was going to pick up this dessert, going to come home, drink some bourbon, and watch 1990s Flatliners. Mm. Okay? She went there. And they said, sorry, we're out. Did you hear about it on the Conan podcast? <gasps> really? I'm not Im imitating anyone there. They're actually wonderful. But they had a little bit of attitude. And my wife said, actually, that was my husband that said that about this. And people have been coming in, name checking Conan, and they've been selling out this dessert that I love. Uh, so what you're saying, it's kind of like Midas with the golden touch. You wish that everything you could touch would turn into gold, but then this power becomes a curse. Yes. Uh, you mentioned this honeycomb dessert that you really love uh -huh. that's sold in this little shop that only you would find. <laughs> and um, Because it's two blocks Why from my house. Why are you so angry that he found this was, dessert? Because it was an organic little treat that enraged me. I love that we can't talk about it, but you already talked about it about it on the podcast. I know right. I did and he just said it right now yeah. but I'll bleep it out. No, you're not going to bleep that out. It's going to, people need to hear about this wonderful dessert you like and if it means that you never get to have it again, at least you've <laughs> no. shared it with the rest of humanity. No, here's what needs to happen. No, no, no. You Let's, shared no. it with, you shared it with the rest of the world. But let me say you've something. You've had enough of, you've stuffed your face with enough no, of that. No, please stop. Honeycomb, honeycomb. Please, please stop. Honeycomb. Stop. 
Go in and buy the ginger molasses cookies. Those are delicious. If you see a bag of milk chocolate covered honeycomb, if there's more than one, take one. But always leave one because I am seconds from coming in there and getting it. That's ridiculous. I don't agree with this at all. This seems cruel and barbaric. You enjoy a dessert. It really means a lot to you. You've had plenty of enjoyment in your life. Some would argue more than you deserve. Oh, now it's time. Me? But now it's time for you to share this treat exactly with other what people. I did, but but not, instead, you're sniping I'm and not, and and whining. I'm taking that my others. Tax. Others now are getting a chance to enjoy this wonderful treat packed with antioxidants, and you Is are. Bitching it. I think chocolate is. No. I think, Pretty yeah. Dark chocolate. Milk chocolate. chocolate. No, dark no, chocolate. Yeah, dark chocolate is, but milk chocolate. This is covered not. in milk chocolate? Yes. Sounds delicious. Everyone should get some. Shut up, honeycomb shut up. covered in dark chocolate. <laughs> honeycomb. Don't, just leave me honeycomb. one bag. Just if there's ever one left, don't take it. That's all I'm saying. That's ridiculous. No, Why should you have ridiculous. more of it? Why? I, I'm not asking for more. I'm just asking for some. How about this? How about I make you some? No. It wouldn't be no. that hard to go out and find some honeycomb and, and, and melted milk chocolate. I can make that. I can scrape some M&Ms. No one makes and it like melt little flour. My What's people that? at Little Flower, they do the best work. They're amazing. Oh, now you're buttering them up yeah. because they're mad at you. I see they, what you're doing. I well, get it. Maybe they could just put one aside it. for me at any given time. That's you know? Can I ask you better. a question? Yeah. Are the customers irritated that they can't get it anymore? Maybe. Or, no, I don't know. Little Flower is not irritated. They they are wonderful. Though. Yeah, they just seem like really good people. They are. And they'd be even better if they kept one off to the side. Well, first of all, that's for you to go in and say, hi, I'm Matt Gorley. And when they're done shitting the floor... Um, because you're such a urban legend. Um, I'm not sure I understand they any shit level the floor? of that. Yeah, oh, they're just urban like, oh my god, go 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 Then you should try their schlagaloos, though. I've had a schlagaloo. Trust me. But then, why can't you help me this one time? Why can't you use your power? What's the help that you need right now? I want him to convince them and be on my side, and you as well. I'm sorry. I just wasn't sure what the game plan was. Games, just leave one bag. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. All right. I, because I've met your beautiful wife, your beautiful daughter. You have that lovely house. Everything's just going so your way so perfectly. And then you have this little treat. And what is it? It can't be a little treat like Twizzlers or some other candy that everyone else likes. No, no it's got to like be from a little. Too. It's got to be from a little shop. A shop called mm, Little Flower. <laughs> oh, do you have the honeycomb that's been caressed in milk chocolate? Mm, good. I'll put it in my little. <laughs> silk pouch and I'll pull the string oh it's so tight and now I'll tie it to my little belt that I got as a boy scout mm, there nicely tied now I'll skip home honey I'm home I love you I love you too hello daughter hi we Let's all have our honeycomb. No. Can I ask you a quick favor? Yeah. What's Conan drinking right now? He's drinking hint water. Hint water. Hint water. I just drink it. It's free. We get cases of this stuff. No, you can't justify that. You're drinking hint water. I'm drinking whatever's here. Little fruit berry. Put a bottle of gin here and open the cap, and I'll drink it. I'll drink whatever's here. Why can't you just tell me this? I don't go hunting for some little feet shop. I bet there's a little bell on the door. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Yeah, like a storehouse. <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. And then I bet a, someone comes out and goes, oh, it's our own magic This is never airing. This is never airing. Well, I'm fine, Mrs. Pennywhistle. <laughs> so 
never airing. Well, I was wondering if I could get some of my little honeycomb covered in chocolate. Why, of course you... Oh, look, it's all gone, Matt. We've sold out. Sold out! Hmm. God damn it, Penny Whistle! Give me some! Give me some now! What do you have there? I have a gun! <laughs> Please! Put that away! You're gonna cough up more! Uh, Matt's broken. Is her name Mrs. Penny Whistle? I don't know. Is there a little bell? Jingle, know. jingle. You, you know what? Matt. I'm gonna make some. I'm gonna get some. I don't some want your goddamn shit <laughs> recipe, honeycomb. I want my little flower silk bag drawstring penny whistle treat. And I want it now. We'll get it for you. Trust me. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna intervene. I will get you more of this sweet little treat. I promise. From Little Flower? It'll be from a store. You're just going to give me like half chewed bit of honey. Nope. I'm going to buy some candy that's sort of like this, but sold by a massive retailer. That's fine. I like that too, but I just don't eat much sugar anymore. So I want this. Okay. God damn it. I'll get you something that has honey and chocolate bits in it. That's sold by a massive chain. I got no problem with massive chain candy. Okay. You got to find something that Conan really likes that's very particular. You got to yeah. mention it on this podcast and then it'll be sold out. Then you'll feel what he's feeling right now. Yeah. You'll be yeah. a little bit more empathetic. I know. What if I told people about this like fancy sushi place, this shishi sushi place you go to that you don't want everyone to know about? Yeah. I go to a sushi place that everyone goes to. It's a chain. No, not that one. The one you go to with Dana Carvey too. Mm. I think you no, mean. that's Dana Carvey's place. Mm. That's it, oh. there's nothing I do. First of all, I'm a man of the people. Oh, I don't go to on. special uh, little places. Uh, okay, I get calls all the time from these stores that you go to where you oh. find something you really like okay. and then you buy it. Okay, not true. No, yeah. it is true. I work for you. I'm your assistant, and that oh, happens. Can you, you don't have to name the place. Work. But I'd like that job. Not <laughs> much right now. Listen, my <laughs> listen. My yeah. point is. You're going to get this candy. I'm going to take care of it for you. It may not be from Little Flower. <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm it may not, not be, but it'll be something that I no. find that contains some of those elements. <laughs> That's and, disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, let's just okay. take care of that. All right. Little All right. Flower, I love you. Help me out. Mrs. Penny Whistle, we're sorry for the intrusion. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo. 
And in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.